Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Is That Really Legal? with Eric Rubin. Today, you're going to hear me speak with Chris Krim. Now, you may not know Chris Krim, but he is a friend of mine from Twitter. I know, weird, right? But um, Chris is a podcaster, a fellow podcaster. Uh, his current, well, he's on hiatus as a podcaster right now, but he has some podcasts in the works, and uh, you'll hear him talk about that. He has done some interesting writing, and he works basically on communicating about survivors of abuse. So he's a, he's a good guy, and he's an interesting guy, and um, he is the gentleman who came up with the name of another podcast that I do with my friend Jamie Schlur called That Podcast with Eric and Jamie. So uh, I thought it was good for people to meet him. If you would like to have me meet other people that you think would be good to have on the show, go to www.isthatreallylegal.com. There is a form to fill out to communicate with me. I would love to hear from you. Please rate this podcast, especially if you like it, and subscribe to it. In that way, you won't miss any episodes. It will come to you and your device without you even having to think about it. Uh, did I mention Abe's Muffins? It's been a while. Um, they are tasty. They are fantastic. Allergen-free. Anyway, sit back, relax, enjoy my conversation with Chris Krim. Chris Krim, welcome to Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. I am thrilled to talk to you today. Yeah, it's great to finally see your face and talk to you in person. We have friends on Twitter, but we never really converse. Yeah, so um, you're on the show partly because we're, I guess I'd call us Twitter friends. I see you on Twitter a lot, but also because, honestly, I wasn't able to get you on the other podcast, which is that podcast with Jamie Schler and me. And I was like, look, I can't not let Chris, I can't leave you in the dust. I had to do something to talk to you. <laughs> so you were the person who came up with the name, that podcast. Um, and we loved it. The minute we saw it, I was with Jamie in France, uh, in her little town in the Laura Valley called Chinon. And we were like, oh my God, this is perfect. So I did a little research on you, which is all I could do, Chris, because uh, you are an enigma or slightly <laughs> enigmatic. Um, you've certainly written, and I know you're a writer, and I've read uh, your work on some work on Scientology. Um, and I found that really interesting. I have my own thoughts on Scientology, which kind of line up with a lot of people's, which is what the F. Um, that's, uh, and there's, yeah. I've watched some documentaries that were disturbing. Uh, the documentaries themselves aren't really disturbing, just the fact that certain things happen. Um, and, you know, that's the way it goes. And I don't want to go down that cul-de-sac, at least not in this moment. But for people who don't know you, um, let's just get into it. Where did you grow up? Um, first half of my life, I guess quarter now, was in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, 17 years in Baltimore and moved to Florida. 
from there. Why, why Florida? What instigated that move? Um, my mother. <laughs> she was moving, and I was like, okay, I'm going with you. And it was like, chance for another start and see what things are like on the other side. <laughs> on the other side of the Mason-Dixon line. It was, better, uh, it was better then than it is today. Oh, yeah, yeah I would imagine. So Not happy. <laughs> what what area of Florida you live in? Um, for many years, I lived in Broward County, town of Davie, and uh, became a prolific Miami sports fan, per my Twitter handle, Miami Six Man. Mm. So uh, that was pretty much my life was following Miami sports until I was in my twenties, got married and moved to Kissimmee, which is just outside of Orlando. Oh yeah. Kissimmee uh, basically had this tremendous either birth or rebirth uh, after Orlando became, by the way, the number one tourist destination in the United States. Um, yeah. I think New York or LA was number two, but Orlando is number one. And of course, you, the, the Mouse House and Universal are responsible, I'm sure, for that to some yeah. smaller degree. SeaWorld, uh, been mm -hmm. to all those places. Um, but Kissimmee, uh, or Kissimmee, uh, also has baseball, right? Or am I wrong about that? Spring training? No, maybe. I believe. Who is it? I want to say the Braves do spring training down here. If they still do it, they mm. did at one point. Um, a lot of other teams use other parts of Florida and I think Arizona also for spring training. Uh, yeah, I don't really follow spring training because I just. I'm a regular season kind of guy. And my affliction is being a Mets fan. And uh, that is a terrible thing. I don't wish it on anyone. Uh, I, I start every year. I turn to my wife and go, this is our year. And she shakes her <laughs> head a little like someone who's like, uh, oh, there goes this delusional patient I have. Um, but uh, so I, feel, so like, you, I yeah. feel like that's a great jinx. Of any sports <laughs> fandom is this is the year, and then and it's not. <laughs> yes, and it's well known to long-suffering Red Sox fans, Cubs fans. Now, all those you know, they've survived that, but only recently. I, I, most of our lives, several franchises have been without championships. But I'm not. I, you know, I like sports, but I can't really speak with any knowledge about sports much. Did you so? Did you do all your education in Florida or did you ever leave at some point for some higher education? I only did my, uh, my college education here. And where did you go? <laughs> but they're not around anymore, but the uh, ITT technical Institute. Got it. What did you study there? Well, at the time it was just electronics. Gotcha. Um, they brought me in saying, we have a computer class coming and it's going to be very prolific and it was garbage, but uh, I have an associates. So <laughs> something now, you're, you're younger than I am. I'm not going to ask ages or anything, but there was a time, like even when I was in high school, which was in the seventies, computers were in their infancy, but there was a computer lab. 
And what we had was, I guess, a monitor that was attached to a mainframe somewhere else on the planet. And there may have been punch cards. I certainly had that when I was in college. But you could interact from the monitor. It might have been called something else. Uh, So I'm not a computer guy in that way. Uh, I actually use technology a lot as an attorney and in other aspects of my life. And I'm talking to you on this laptop. I mean, uh, you know, the technology is such when I start, when I, I went into college with a portable typewriter, I left law school with a rudimentary computer that had a dot matrix printer. Okay. Uh, I had throughout my career many secretaries and paralegals, and now I am my entire law office, and I can do my work from anywhere on the planet if there is Wi-Fi. I have an iPhone and a Mac Air, and I rarely use paper. So that right. that revolution of technology happened in a relatively short period of time. You were certainly in that. Yeah. What was your what was your start with computers? Um, well, coming out of ITT, I got a job with this uh, company that did phone support for multiple different companies. So they had different contracts, and the contract I was on uh, was for combat computers. And interestingly enough, I had no idea what I was doing. But uh, <laughs> a little advice. For folks listening, starting out, if you ever go to a, a large company where there's like hundreds of people, believe me, they're hiring people to fill seats. So to, to meet customer demand. So if you're not good, don't phone it in. Listen to the people, find the people who are the third call. We all know this, right? We've all been looking for help. It was a third person, fourth person, knew what to do right away. But you got to run around four times before. Don't fall with that crowd. Uh, learn from the people who know what they're doing and better yourself. That's what and, I did. And um, so you worked at Compact. Did you have a computer at home or did you? I didn't. Did you ultimately? I mean, you're talking to me now. Oh, I yeah. I, um, within three months, with some help, I built my own computer, my first computer. Wow. Yeah, I was gaming. I was doing all that, yeah. Wow. Uh, I never built my own, but I went to... I remember early on when we had all those, what they call PC clones. Right. I went to a company called CompUSA, which I'm sure ah, doesn't exist anymore. And does not. I remember... No, does being, it? I don't know. I remember getting a 486 chip and thinking I was the bomb. <laughs> um, and if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to tell you, folks. You'll have to look it up. It's like uh, dinosaurs made them. And um, I remember looking at walls in the store. Uh, back then, you bought software in packages, literally boxes, and they had disks in them. 18 disks for one program. Yeah. <laughs> Loading them was crazy. And what you would do is you'd look at the wall and there was all this stuff available for PCs. And then there was one shelf for Apple. And everybody said, oh, don't get into Apple because there's no software for us. Never going to take off. Yeah, no, nobody's going to buy those. And of course, uh, you know, lots of people don't know what they're talking about. Or it's just they were brilliant in the way they did things. As I talk to you, 
I, you know, I'm on my air. I see my wife's air on the table and, you know, I have my iPhone here. I have an Apple TV, you know, the rest is all history. Um, it's amazing when you make something easy to use. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, to be able to drag and drop things, for example, to be able to use simple commands to make big things happen, to include amazing software with your computer. You know, I am going to mix this uh, podcast and put it together using GarageBand, which is a fantastic program. I'm a musician. Um, and so I've done recording with real tape and GarageBand, the way it's set up, looks a lot like back in the old day when you would record things and mix them and bounce tracks and do things like that. So anyway, I don't have to sell anyone on Apple. I'm sure you also think they're a good company. <laughs> They're fine. So ultimately, what did you end up doing and what do you do now? I do IT support, actually. Um, ironically, um, when I was 13, I had a neighbor, and I were talking mid-80s, who had an IBM machine with a monochrome screen. And he had the Sierra games, uh, which is these quest games, you know, pick up, look in. Pick, you know, mm -hmm. use, you write the commands in. And I love those games. So he let me come over his house and he wasn't like a freaky, weird guy playing with kids. He just let me play his game, his computer. One night he's building a, an IBM because he had his own computer company. Mm -hmm. And he says, let me show you something. Here's a motherboard. It was this giant plate. Right. He's going to show me computers. Wow. And I just wanted to play Sierra Quest games. <laughs> so I said to him, dude, I'm never going to do that. And uh, here uh, I am. <laughs> wow. It's, it's amazing when we get lucky and we find people who uh, are just selfless and, yeah. you know, do that sort of thing. And, you know, uh, I remember playing Police Quest. Police Quest, yes. Good Back one. in the day. Um, I I think I had a lot of trouble just getting into the vehicle. Like part of what I had to do was <laughs> check the car and make sure it was You didn't okay. do the walk around. You yeah, didn't go I, by your safe yet. Uh, you know, I just, I have to say that I have never been a gamer. At one point, I got a PlayStation and I don't remember which incarnation. And I got a SEAL game. And, you know, I shot some people and I got shot by some people and I just, I don't know. It never, it never stuck. Now I have friends. It might be, well, I, I hate to put age on it because I do lots of things that are irrelevant to my age, but I have right. friends who did call of duty or Madden or right. And I can watch them play. And I'm like, that looks like fun, but I, I picking up a controller. And by the way, you know, I'm a musician. I'm great with my hands and all that. I pick up a controller and I'm like, what is this? How is, you know, it's just not for me. Are you a big gamer to this day? I actually am. I'm, I'm, I'll say I'll put an age on it. I'm in my forties, late forties. And, uh, I saw someone post. They were disgusted by the idea that there's an 89 year old man in a nursing home. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the age. Sure. It was older man, uh, playing video games. And I was like, when would he ever stop? I'm like, why are you going to be upset with somebody for getting some enjoyment during their life and their downtime? 
and all they have is downtime. You know, let them have fun. Yeah, I don't understand you can that. Do it all. Great. I, you know, also I, I have, uh, I have a friend, and he's the son of another friend. When he was younger, he played a lot of what were considered pretty violent video games. Like, yep. um, what's that one we Grand used? Theft Auto. That's it. So they did Grand Theft Auto, and he would like steal things, and he, he would like steal fire engines, and ultimately he got to like an army tank, and he was blowing things up, whatever. Yeah, this kid does theater. Um, look, uh, this has nothing. He, he's gay. He's married. He's an actor. He has never struck anyone in anger. He would never do like yep. this. Is completely different. It did not. The video games had nothing to do with violence in the real world. And I'm just fine. I don't know where the disconnect is. Sometimes I think people are really saying things because there's political gain. Okay. Yes. Else. Would you agree with that? I would. I think what you're referring to is a lot of what goes wrong. The worst things that happen instead of taking action to make it better or improve upon it, people choose to blame music, TV, video games. And it's ridiculous because I, when I get on grand theft auto, I shouldn't say this probably, but I do the most gruesome, awful shit I can think of. Well, people are never going to do it in real life. Well, that's what the game is for though. Isn't it? I mean, they wouldn't put it into the game. Right. Well, I mean, I guess people kill prostitutes. They run over police officers. They steal cars. They steal money. They do, they do incredibly graphic, brutal things in a weird way. It's like years and years ago, the original Westworld, which was a movie, um, a very old movie. It was supposed to be where people could live in this fake environment and do terrible things in sort of real life. And then the new HBO Westworld show is a little bit about that. Yes. Um, have, uh, have you seen that show? Uh, the first season. Uh, my wife and I both fell asleep uh-huh. on the season premiere of season two, and we never went back. And I can tell you, I know other people who have shared the same story. Oh, wow. Not the, not the trash the show. I love the show, but we just never got back to it. Right. And there are some shows where we all just fall off of them for whatever reason. Um, But that's an interesting show. So I I find it interesting that you're an IT support guy, but I've read your writing. Um, You did, I don't know if I'd call it investigative, but you wrote about, uh, you know, um, Scientology. And you also are, well, when we interact on Twitter, you seem to have a, a good writing style and you interact about writing. Would you say like, what, what is it about writing that's working for you? And are you writing and hoping to be published someday? Like talk to me about your writing. That's funny. Um, how do I put this? I, I'm not a big writer. I don't know why people oh. think that about me. I have a whole community and I'm afraid I'm going to lose them after this, <laughs> a whole community of followers on Twitter because they think I write, I think, or they just like me, but they all follow me. I have writing ideas. Um, Mm. I guess you could say I wrote for my podcast, but I didn't put a lot in writing. Um, most of it was off the cuff after hours and hours of talking to myself in the car. 
<laughs> and I'm perfecting what I want to say. Um, but I have ideas for movies, for TV series. I have a lot of great ideas. I'm not a good dialogue writer. Therefore, I've stayed away from it. I have been tempted since becoming more, um, more active and aware of our political climate, political climate, I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, I've been tempted to write for some kind of articles because I have thoughts that I think should be heard, but I also get discouraged that they won't be listened to because people hear what they want to hear. So we're wow. in that kind of place. I think we share those thoughts that uh, yeah. I have thoughts and I get discouraged. So you're not alone. Um, I do want to say, you know, I never even look at your handle as Miami sixth man. I see Chris Krim, the independent, which obviously ah. is a pun or a joke on with a Ted Lasso theme. Ted Lasso. Which, in my what opinion, is, is the best TV show on right now. What is it about Ted Lasso? I love it, too. And... If I was to see five or 10 minutes of it passing through mm -hmm. with my mind on something else, I would say that looks lame. I'm not <laughs> going to give it another second, but it gets you. That yeah. show brings you in and it's good. I think, I think that one of the, well, there's several things that I think about that show. Number one is that. Uh, Jason Sudeikis and Brett Goldstein, who were pretty much the creators on that show, as well as the cast, which is Tom Notch, their hearts are wide open. There's, I think that you feel how much love is in the characters. The characters, even when they're upset, um, they're so relatable. And, well, he, he Ted, is just... Uh, he's got integrity and he's trying to do the right thing. I think what happens is the better characters who started off as broken and unhappy go through these tremendous arcs to become fuller, happier human beings. Um, you know, great example, Rebecca, who starts off trying to destroy. And by the way, uh, she's you a know, villain in episode one. Basically. Sure, sure. And spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, you should fast forward to all this because I'm going to be giving away things. But, you know, she spoiler. wants to destroy the team. And um, she goes through an evolution where she ends up supporting the team and supporting Ted um, and making apologies for all her wrongdoing. Keely, who's kind of an empty-headed bimbo who's just in it for a good time, <laughs> yeah, is actually a freaking genius in her own way, she's sweet, loving, and while she isn't, you know, in some ways she's not smart, and in other ways she is a genius. And I think that's also something that all of the characters share. You know, even Jamie Tart has, I mean, everybody's just gone through these tremendous evolutions. And it doesn't make them boring. It makes them more interesting to me, and the adventure continues. So... uh I think people, it's a feel-good show. And at the end, you yeah. know, there are some shows where you're like, I hate everybody. Why am I watching the show? There's nobody to root for. And well, there's so all, many like that. Yeah. Yes. But Ted um, Lasso is quite the opposite. I feel like I love almost all the characters. Um, and I can't wait to hang out with them. And that is very appealing.
Now, you yes. caught me with something, and I'd forgotten about this. You are a podcaster. Um, are you still podcasting? And if so, what is the name of your podcast? Well, um, I started an entertainment-based, fun little podcast years and years ago called Come Get Some, S-U-M. And it was really just me seeing if I can do it. Because while my career, my the way I pay the bills and get the groceries is from IT, and I'm still trying to grow that profession and, and become better there, I've always wanted to entertain more than anything else. And this was my chance. And if I was going to fail, I was going to fail. If I was going to work, it was going to work. But after seeing I can get, and it was low, but like 50 to 100 listeners weekly, I was like, I get in some people's ears. I can do meaningful things. I don't have to be goofy all the time. And I started talking to these abuse victims and then Scientology victims. And I saw, I saw Scientology in the aftermath, which is the Leah Remini show. She hosts yeah. Mike Rinder. You seen it? I have not seen that show, but I knew about her and I believe she was involved in this film that I saw, which was getting clear. Going Clear, Going HBO clear. documentary. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? I've heard of the abuses in Scientology since the 90s. Yeah. It comes up, there's a news special, and it goes away. Mm -hmm. It comes up, and it goes away. I said, there needs to be more people talking about this regularly so it doesn't go away. I know for a fact it made a difference, and it helped. But I didn't feel like it was do doing enough or I was needed. And I had mm -hmm. trouble with my audio. I wasn't doing good with the audio. It wasn't the greatest production. And I just decided it was time to focus on myself and my own needs. And I just ended the podcast. But the with the intention of doing more, I just didn't. Years have passed. And basically, I've done nothing project-wise during the darkest era of American history uh, the Trump administration. So, <laughs> I just stopped. But there is news on the podcast in front. Uh, I'm not ready to announce it fully, although uh, Patricia Ray uh, mentioned something on Instagram already about it. We did a test run today. We're going to do a podcast called Believe This, which if you can believe nothing else, you can believe we're being sincere. I oh, know. Cool. So we might not say things you agree with we may not even agree with each other in some of our conversations which will be interesting mm. but you can believe we're making an honest good faith effort to have the conversation which is the thing that's missing most in our discourse and division is the ability to hear each other and to really want to hear each other which is where you find compromise and we can kind of try to end this division in some way shape or form that's the basis I, of the podcast. Gotcha. You know, it's interesting. You you and I live in America, and I've yeah. talked about this ad nauseum, uh, what's happening here. But you also live in Florida, which is uh, just <laughs> yes. nuts, nuts right now. Um, I know there have been some real problems, just logistical problems in terms of there has been weather issues and other problems. 
and your governor is busy running for president on a far-right lunatic platform, so he's not even there helping the people that he was elected to take care of. It must be a little frustrating, to say the least. A little. <laughs> um, you know, we had for a long time, you're either Republican. This is two MAGA people. You're right. either MAGA Republican or you're something else. You weren't allowed to be a Republican in dissent. You weren't allowed to be an independent and say, I'm not liberal. You're just some, you're just, you're just liberal no matter what. Right. And that, that bothers me because my entire life, I've tweeted this a few times. I voted 50, 50. Mm -hmm. Like I'd say this candidate looks good. Oh, he's a Republican. Well, look at this Democrat wants to do. I'm going with the Republican mm -hmm. and back and forth presidents too. Mm -hmm. And now as much, I want there to be options and this sounds, this sounds like I'm virtue signaling or, or maybe gaslighting, but I'm being honest and sincere. I want people who have conservative values, regardless if I agree with them or not to be able to be represented in those conservative values, but they're not getting that representation in the most frustrating part about that is that we don't have two levels anymore now we have the i'm not mega i don't like trump but the santas looks pretty good and that's frustrating that's the yeah. frustrating thing oh, i appreciate what you're saying because you can go back to president abraham lincoln there's a famous book by doris kearns goodwin called team of rivals and what happened was when Lincoln was elected president, he put in his cabinet several people that he ran against, including Seward, who was the Secretary of State, perhaps most famous for doing the Alaska Purchase. Uh, he also graduated from the college I went to. I'm not in the same class by far, but he he was very different from Lincoln. And Lincoln knew that, and he wanted to have people around him with different points of view because mm -hmm. he knew what any good uh, leader knows, which is you can't be right all the time. And also you need input. It would be like, you know, great meals involve many ingredients. Sometimes it's very simple. It's just a three ingredient thing. That's great. Right. Sometimes it's 10 and uh, you know, it's just life is complicated. And a word that I like is nuance. Many of mm -hmm. the issues that we face <laughs> as a nation, thank you, I know what you look to. Um, many of the issues we face as a nation are far from black and white. There's right. a lot of gray. And I remember as a younger person, we had Republicans and Democrats, and they spoke to each other. And we they made deals. And, you know, compromise seems to have become a dirty word. And I think you're in a marriage like I am. You compromise all the time when you're married. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes you didn't realize that, you, you know, you ended up doing something that was her idea and you end up liking it. Um, whether it's a different TV show or uh, taking a walk or a restaurant or whatever the thing is. Um, and vice versa. Uh, you know, it's certainly being in a relationship with someone different than you has its challenges, but it's also incredibly rewarding. Would you say that's accurate? 
Pretty good. That's pretty accurate. I mean, my wife pretty much gets her way, but yeah. Well put. How long have you been married? Um. Oh, uh, we, <laughs> we better hope your wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I think it's 17, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. If I do quick, 17 years. We've been together mm-hmm. over 20. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um. I, and by the way, when we started out, before I started recording, your background is, uh, as you told me, because I didn't guess it, it's a TARDIS, which is uh, something from <laughs> Doctor Who. I'm not a big Doctor Who fan, although I saw it when they rebooted it and had some of the more modern, it's, it's already a while ago now, but I mean, it was on a lot when I was a kid. With yeah, like it came monster- back in 2006. Maybe. Yeah, that may be when I saw like the first couple of seasons. They originally, you know, monsters were like people under a carpet crawling on the floor kind of level. And um they they definitely upgraded uh a variety of things, uh, including I think the writing and definitely the special effects, you know, all of that jazz. But uh for people who don't know, um, I know what a TARDIS is. Why don't you tell us what a TARDIS is since you're oh, my guest? Um, I'm embarrassed as a Doctor Who fan to, to not remember the the acronym, but it's. Oh, um, well, yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to do the acronym. You can just. I feel like I should. Okay, well, it's a time. <laughs> it's a time traveling machine, correct? Looks like a phone booth, like a, right. like a police box in in England, and it travels through time. And uh, the Doctor goes around saving planets from different enemies. A lot of times, the same enemies he sees all the time. Now, what's, also, what's really interesting about a TARDIS to me is that, well, besides traveling through time, it, it violates other rules or laws of physics, one of which is that it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Correct. Which is a very strange thing to wrap your head around, but if you just accept it, it's fantastic. And all New York... Sci-fi is about accepting yeah. the impossible. Yeah. <laughs> right. And all of us who live in New York City would love to have apartments like Tardis's, which are <laughs> like small, but, you know, bigger on the inside. Nice. Thank you. I just thought of that. I feel pretty good about that, which sounds like a, something that Ted Lasso said in the first season when he says, don't, they say youth is wasted on the young. Don't let uh, your lifetime of experience be wasted on you. Something like that. Close enough. We'll um, find it later and plug yeah. it in. <laughs> Fix it in post. Um, there you go. So when I said, hey, be on my podcast, was there anything that you were like, oh, man, I really want to talk about this or I want people to know this thing? Um, I know you, we've already said you're starting a new podcast and we're excited about that. Um, a- anything else going on that we should know about? Well, oh no, I'm just trying to survive in the current age, you know, um, just everything, you know, I, I was trusting you to lead the way I, said, oh, yeah, I don't well, know what Eric's going to talk to me about, but well, I'll we're, do doing, we're doing great so far. We're not going to spend too much longer. I think that, um, what's great about this conversation is, you know, you have thousands of followers but you're not a celebrity and that's okay. I think one of the great things that's happened for Twitter um, before Elon, and we're still surviving with Elon has been that 
um, there's an egalitarianism. There's an equality on Twitter sometimes. Some people are too cool to follow normal people like you and me, but some right. people do. You know, there's people like, I'm just going to pick one at random because I saw she, you've retweeted her. I think she follows you. Heather Thomas. She's been Love a guest her. on this program. Yeah. And if you're as old as I am, you remember her being in bikinis a lot on TV shows. Right. Um, Heather is crazy smart, funny, and her heart is huge. Um, and she raises chickens. I mean, it's just like a whole strange thing going on there. She might be the first celebrity that I ever laid eyes on in person that I ever saw. Now, how, how, how did you actually meet her? In Baltimore, Maryland, in the 80s, they used to do a car show every year at the Baltimore Convention Center. And she was one of the guests. And I was a fan of the fall guy. And we, we waited in line. And she never showed up. For a long time, long periods of time. Mm -hmm. We all waited a very long time. She finally came out yelling to people. I'm so sorry, y'all. Uh, Carol and I are an incident. Uh -huh. She goes up there. I get my turn. I'm starstruck. I'm nine years old. <laughs> I'm starstruck. <laughs> and I'm just staring at her. Mm -hmm. And I hear people yelling at the back of me. Get out of the way. We're trying mm -hmm. to take photos. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, when I found her on Twitter, I told her about last time I saw her was in Baltimore when I was nine years old, but you took forever to come out. And she mm. said the same thing. He remembers she had a curl and iron incident. Wow. Or else she always uses that excuse. We don't well, know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. But, I, you know, having spoken to her, uh, I feel like she would tell you the truth. I feel like it too. In fact, uh, I'm embarrassed to say I'll start, I'll start helping you promote it now. I didn't know about this podcast when I knew about that podcast, but I didn't know about this podcast. Um, as soon as you invited me, the first one I listened to was Heather <laughs> Thomas, and I'm glad I did. Oh, thank you. We had some sound issues because. Heather was like talking to me from a basement and there was a dog and it was a whole thing. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't we as went... bad as you make a sound though. Oh. I, I wouldn't have thought about it if you didn't say anything, to be honest with you. Oh, great. Well, thank you. It wasn't that bad. And I've had several people on that are just Twitter friends like Jamie Schler, who I now do that podcast with. Yes. Um, and the other big Twitter people who are just really interesting for a variety of reasons. Um, so, you know, there was a time when people were saying, oh, we're leaving Twitter now. And it made me incredibly sad because yeah. I have a lot of real life friends and I'm married and my life will go on without Twitter. But I made so many great, you know, look, I've had terrible things said to me on Twitter that I won't repeat. I've met some awful people and seen some yeah. terrible things. But for the most part, I've had some really great opportunities to hang out with people from literally all over the world. And I think that's fantastic. You, you've had the same experience? Yeah. You know, when I first started on Twitter, it was during the Miami Heat big three thing. Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. And I was supporting my team. And I never felt. And I believe Twitter was treated this way back then. I never felt Twitter was a place that everybody goes 
It's a place you go if you want to promote something, if you want to sell something, or if you want to help somebody else promote something. There's really no other way to be there, other reason to be there. So I went there to support the heat. And I had like 14 followers. I was following like 45 people. <laughs> and a voice actress, like the joke I said, because I was I was not willing to put myself out there. Not only was mm. I never going to do a podcast, I was never going to be a personality on social media. I wasn't interested. I didn't think it would go well. I had confidence mm. issues. She says, you're funny. That right there, the spark that started it all. I, be- you know what? I said, you know what? I'll joke with everybody. And now, I, you know, like Diedrich Bader doesn't follow me, but he interacts with me and things like that. I have a lot of connections I wouldn't have had. The podcast wouldn't have happened. Right. This podcast wouldn't have happened. I would have been bored, <laughs> you know, with my, you know, stunted my creativity. And, yeah. and this brought the whole thing out of me. I, I think a lot of things about Twitter that I appreciate. It, you mentioned Diedrich Bader. He's funny and talented. Love the guy. And, and anytime he interacts, I can't remember if I've interacted with him. Michael McKean, I once, I did something and he appreciated a joke or he gave me a like or said something back. And it was like, that was my day for like a week. You know what I mean? When, a, when Oh, it, yeah. Like that kind of thing. Michael um, McKeon, Henry Winkler, legends like that. You, you, you're so happy when you have the interaction. Yeah, and it's Mark really Hamill. Them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mark Hamill. Although I don't interact with him, I've seen him. He is the most generous guy Absolutely. when he interacts with people, and you never get the sense he's like, okay, I'll be generous now. It's like no, he's just, he's just a warm guy. He's he's like out of the Ted Lasso universe. He's just a good guy. By the way, as an aside, since you're a sports guy, um, okay. you know, I'm watching Ted with my wife, and one of the first things that he hung up, and it's still very much on his wall, is the pyramid. The pyramid that was created by Coach Wooden. Um, I can't remember what they call the pyramid. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's this framed diagram that he has in his office. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the details. All right. So yeah. Coach Wooden, who was the famous basketball coach for the UCLA Bruins back when they were a dynasty, and he coached such people as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, the redheaded guy who played center for the Celtics. Walton right. DeWong? Uh, no. The redheaded guy for the Celtics? I don't know that one. And I'm embarrassed oh, yeah. to say that. I don't know. That's all right. <laughs> well, in any event, um, he... He uh, puts in- integrity as one of the most important things that an athlete should have beyond any talent. It's, it's yeah. a very interesting, his approach, Lasso talks about that approach when he says, I don't, I don't, I think winning or losing is besides the point. Playing to the best of your ability is what matters. And I, I had the opportunity to listen to some interviews with Coach Wooden and you know, it reminds me that one of the things that makes me sad about sports today is that the most important thing to most people is to win and not to be a, uh, a good example or, you know, there's more important things than winning to me. I was think it was the money. Yeah, it's a, the money is outrageous. And also the betting. The fact that they've legalized so many betting opportunities 
makes me just very nervous for the integrity of all these games and also for people's well-being. Yeah. Because they, you know there are people who are addicted to betting, and you know it's just making it easier for them to lose their house or screw something up. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, I, I imagine there are times where someone might have a player in a fantasy league and throw a different player out on the field or something you know, that they should have for the game plan. But I am an avid fantasy football player, so I, I I try not to judge it too much. Well, you know, with fantasy football, I I played in leagues for several years. Okay, but I find that different than than most of the gambling. So, for example, yes, there was money at stake in my league, so it was technically gambling. It's usually but, lower stakes than yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you put in like a hundred dollars for the season, let's say, and the season's what 16, 18, 20 games or whatever, right. however you do it into the pre playoffs. Playoffs, yeah. Um, but to to that is very different than I'm going on my app now and I'm going to bet on how many first downs there are or how long the punt is or like you so can many different crazy. places to put money. Yeah, and. I just, it makes me nervous for a lot of things. Plus, it's, gambling is kind of a dead-end economic thing where the the money doesn't do anything. You know, if you, this is a weird economic argument, but if I put money into a company, like if I invest money in the stock market, that money is used for research and development or to build something or do stuff. When I lose money on a bet, it just goes to that company, and they just yeah. take my money. I don't know. It seems strange to me. I don't want to end on that note. I do have to wrap up soon, Chris. But um, would you please uh, let us know how are we going to be able to listen to your upcoming podcast? Do you guys have a website or a way it's going to be delivered? I will address that after I say one last thing. You want to talk about ending on a good note? Yes. I talked about how my podcast with Patty is going to be based on good faith arguments, having a conversation with people who are being sincere, whether you disagree with them or not. Yes. I want to say that's one of my favorite things about that podcast with you and Jamie on Jamie's podcast and your podcast that you do. There's a sincerity. So it's not flashy. You're not coming on like a game show host. Welcome to that podcast. Here we go. (laughs) You know, you know, you're not like larger than life. You're real people having real conversations that matter. And I think that's important right now. And I appreciate that about you. Wow, Chris. Thank you so much. That's very sweet of you. And I appreciate it. And I'm sure Jamie appreciates it too. So how are we going to hear your podcast? Do you have a timeline? And do you have a way that people will get a hold of it? We haven't finished all the pieces of it. The logo, Mm -hmm. the music, the... uh, We haven't created the email address even. There will be. Um, I suspect it might be a month or two. That's why I didn't want to like really announce and announce it. But sure. we did the test run today. It was fun. Cool. Um, we definitely disagree on some things, which will make an interesting conversation. Might might tick some of our friends off. But we also agree on a lot. But again, you get that sincerity. So... If I say something that she doesn't like or agree with, she might ask me a follow-up question like, where did you hear that? Why Mm. do you believe that? And vice versa. And it leads to a more informed 
dialogue where you come out later and you're like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have listened to that article or that person. <laughs> but, you know, maybe you won't, but at least you have food for thought. And you're though, like, if they disagree with me, they're not evil, you know? I like that. That's but a good note. Probably blog talk radio because that's easy for me. But I might, I might spring a few bucks to do a better format. Maybe I'll talk to you later and get some tips on a good way to host. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it'll be available. Just if you watch Miami Six Man or the real, per, or sorry, the Patricia Ray on, um, social media, we'll be announcing it when it comes out. I'm sure I'll share it with you and you can help me share it if you want to. And, sure. uh, we'll have a good time with it. I'm hoping to bring everybody in under one tent and, and have a conversation that we can all agree, even if we agree to disagree, but we can all agree to be human beings with each other. I love it. Thank you, Chris Krim. Thank you so much for being on Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. It was lovely to spend time with you. You too, man. Wasn't that great? Chris is a good guy, and I'm glad you got a chance to spend time listening to what he had to say. We will have more fun and interesting guests every week. So please subscribe to this podcast, rate this podcast. Go to www.isthatreallylegal.com and you can leave me messages and I will get back to you either on an email or right here on this show. Okay, so thank you so much for listening. There's a lot of craziness going on in the world. I can't address it all in these notes at the end of the show. Let's just say that we need to participate in our democracy or we're going to lose it. So what does that mean? Well, it means voting for sure. It means contributing money and time to candidates and um, speaking out, even, uh, you know, speaking out for others and taking care of your fellow men and women uh, of all kinds in this country. Please, let's take care of each other, okay? You have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.